When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Redskins Nation, what is up? Yo, 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 what is up? Back at it again. This is the longest we've gone without dropping an episode, but it, it's for a good reason. We were going to drop it yesterday, but then the pressers info came out, so we were like, let's wait so we could talk about that. So we're going to talk about that. We actually have something to talk about, Tate, which is really cool. Um, so this is also a very cool episode because on top of just reviewing Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins presser, we had the opportunity to talk with Mark Bullock from The Athletic. Um, if you're not following him on Twitter, you should, at Mark Bullock NFL. I mean, he's been doing it for years, and his, his route to becoming a route, uh, writer for The Athletic is pretty incredible, pretty cool and inspiring. And we just talked pretty much everything offense and he, I mean, he can go into detail and he, we learned a lot. So that's going to be most of this episode and that's going to be real good. Also, we're splitting that into two episodes because it was long, which is cool. And we want everyone, we want you to listen to the whole thing. But if you see two 30 minute episodes versus like an hour, <laughs> you know, so yeah. So, but before we go into that, let's talk about Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins who spoke today. First time we'd heard, especially Dwayne speaking in a while so tay you go ahead uh top three takeaways from ron rivera's press conference today well top three for, before i get there i, I want to let you know about the the uh the podcast as well for uh mark bullock it was awesome uh you guys are gonna love it i just sat definitely, back and definitely. listened uh todd had great questions and you, you, you're really gonna love it because he he hits he hits right on the head so you all will love the love it. Check out not only this one, but check out the second half as well. But going into Ron Rivera press conference, I was really enamored by just how composed he is. You, you can just sense the leadership he has. Right. And it, it's kind of scary because we've never had anyone we like this since I've been a fan. You know, maybe Joe Gibbs, but just the way he has commanded this team without even meeting them personally, you know, as a group, is just amazing. You could just see the culture change. You could just see that they're identifying, the players are identifying yeah. with, with, with who the head coach is. A couple of things that stood out personally for me was just his, the, the knowledge he had. He, he talked about the constitution and the bill of rights and 
how how knowledgeable he was on the situation of of the Black Lives Matter situation yeah. and just how he he's for the players, you know. And right. you look back at past regimes and you say, well, Jay Gruden was a players coach. Well, yeah, but he didn't have any kind of authority. But you see a player a players yeah. coach here who has the authority, who has the respect right, right. of the players already. Another thing that stood out to me was the fact that he's excited about the team. I, I, I heard the conversation with about Dwayne. Someone asked a, a question about Dwayne and how he feels about the quarterbacks. And he, talk, he talked about how Dwayne had called them uh, the previous night. And the fact that they have that relationship, I thought was pretty cool. And, and that he's seeing that Dwayne has answered his yeah, challenge right. when he became the head coach uh, in Washington. So you see all these things and, and you see the, the, the competitiveness you have. And, Honestly, what I like about it is just his his, his personality, man. And, and Ron Rivera is a special coach, and I'm so glad that we have him in Washington because I think if we had any other coach, especially during the situation that we have now with the Black Lives Matter and the, and the COVID-19 situation and right. not being yes. able to, you know, relate to the players, I think he's done an awesome job so far, and he's very prepared. Very he well is. prepared. You, you talk about the de- attention to detail, how he has the practices already, you know, set up. And I, I, I can go, I can rave on about He's not, I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> but but I, I, if, if he had a jersey, I would definitely buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy his old jersey <laughs> from the Bears. <laughs> he had it hanging he, in his office. Seriously, I've seen it. I seen college, it. <laughs> maybe. It looks like, I don't know what, what team that is. <laughs> but I, I like Ron Rivera in the, in the press conference was uh just awesome if you haven't got a chance to go see it please go back and watch it because you can if 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 this team is any kind of has any kind of identity as the head coach then we're in for a treat not only this year but for years to come so that's my opinion on Ron Rivera yeah, like if I had to, if I was giving out late, uh, letter grades, it would be an A plus. Like, yeah. and I love that he never seems bothered talking to the media. Yeah, you know? like Jay would sometimes just seem like ugh, so uninterested. Yeah, but Ron, it's like like he's doing it, and it's almost like he's enjoying it. The only thing I really want, the only thing I want to say about it is Burgundy Block. You know, you either love or you hate Burgundy Block. People hate him sometimes. <laughs> they say he's too negative. I think he provides a real balanced approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, listen, he tweeted, listen to Rivera's 32 minute presser. If I wasn't 150% sold already, I am now. He is the right coach and leader for the Redskins in 2020. Wow. Uh, and like, I mean, again, this is, this is coming from a level fan. So for him to say that right. is meaningful, right? He right. also called his uh, press conference, his presser, uh, an impressor, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, you killed it. You killed it, Tay. Uh, 100% with everything you said. And also also on top of that, I don't know if you've seen the Dwayne, uh, if those out there haven't watched the Dwayne presser, which Todd is going to hit on, you can kind of sense that Rivera inside of him as far as how he answered, yeah. how calm he was in answering yeah. questions. And you can just tell that this team is taking on the identity of, Definitely. Uh, of Ron Rivera. Definitely. All right, so that's Ron Rivera's press conference. So Dwayne Haskins. Um, all right, so the top three takeaways for me from Dwayne Haskins. One, okay, when he spoke about the protest and how he wanted to act and not just tweet, not just do a video, not just say mm. something he wanted to show action, I thought that was very meaningful. Yeah. You know, I thought it showed that maturity and that thought that he put into it 
Because, I mean, you could say something and that's, you know, no one would judge you for that. But he wanted to get out there. And, and so I thought that was real meaningful. And, and it, it was a, it probably for him had to do with showing his leadership also, yes. you know. So, so that's the first thing. And that segues me into when he talked about, we kind of knew that Rivera had challenged him. I mean, Rivera was challenging him openly to the media, you know, mm-hmm. but like now we're knowing, like he, he told him specifically, like you need to be a leader. Yeah. And I mean, that's what Dwayne's been doing, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that, that he basically said that out loud, that that's what he was told and that's, that's what he's responding to. And he used that word leader a lot in there. I mean, I'm, man, I've been waiting for so long for this team to have a quarterback who will like, who will fire guys up. Like mm-hmm. I still remember back, I feel like it was 2008 or nine when the Patriots were playing the bills and they were down like by two possessions with, I don't know, three, four minutes left. And Tom Brady was walking around the sideline telling the players we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And like, I mean, I don't know that Dwayne is that I kind of think he is though. Cause he was getting yeah. fired up at the O-line last year as a rookie. <laughs> yeah, <he was. laughs> so it seems like that's who he is. And like, I've been waiting for that. Cause like Kirk wasn't that, you know, RG3 wasn't that, Alex wasn't that, you know. And so I thought that was huge, just the emphasis on leadership. And that's obvious, but it's cool to hear him say that. Um, I mean, the third thing that I took away from it was just how he, uh, he, kind of, he kind of mentioned how this – it kind of seemed like he was saying the, this offense will be kind of easier to pick up, not only mm-hmm. because he learned one already, but because this one is kind of easier already. Mm-hmm. Because we've heard that Jay's offense is great, and, and Mark's going to talk about that. But we've also heard, like, it's very wordy. Maybe that's just the West Coast. But now it's more of a numbers uh, verbiage, uh, the, the new system. And, again, um, Mark's going to talk about that. And so he kind of he mentioned that. And he said it's going well, but I need to learn more. But it's kind of easier to pick it up. And so I think that's huge, too. So, I mean, those main three things for me just – the leadership he showed in regards to the protesting, the Black Lives Matter, um, the leadership that, that he showed at, from the challenge from, from Rivera, and then um, the last thing that I said, whatever that was a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the offense, learning the offense. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I know that uh, um, McLaurin and Kerrigan, I think, are speaking tomorrow mm. we're recording this on wednesday and so we'll touch on that in the next episode before part two but yeah man i i, and, I think i i give both of them an a plus and and by the way what better way to learn leadership than ron rivera i mean it's like he, he... Facts. exactly no seriously <laughs> that's a great point because and this is no shade to jay gruden but i don't really see players learning leadership from him exactly like i mean i think he's a good offensive mind but head coaches need to be leaders first exactly. and foremost. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, Ron is, is 100% that. And then you, we saw, or if you didn't see on Instagram where Redskins today um, posted something and then Dwayne replied and was like, I can't wait to play for this man. Yeah. Talking about yeah. Rivera. Yes. And, and one thing is like, we're not, this isn't like the Browns last year where they're getting hyped up. Everyone's hyped right. up. Like we're not really hyping ourselves up, but it's like, we're really just getting, hope like meaningful yeah. hope in a different seriously. way from people who are like clearly committed and working hard so seriously and then the fact that bruce allen is gone because if bruce allen yeah. was still here i don't think any of this would matter <laughs> 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 just throw that little jab in there so um i mean you got anything else to touch on uh regarding this stuff 
no, that, that's it. Just enjoy this, enjoy this show. And I think it's it's fitting after the comments that Dwayne made about the offense. Uh, you guys are really going to enjoy what Mark has to say. And uh, we thank Mark uh, publicly for, for coming on with us and uh, just giving us the opportunity to do what we love. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've been following that man for like, since before he worked for the Post or the Athletic. <laughs> and so I'm not going to tell his story. He's going to tell it in the interview. So uh, check out. Well, keep listening. If you made it this far, continue listening. <laughs> and then check out part two, uh, which will come out whenever in a few days or something. And you'll definitely learn a lot about the offense and whatnot. So uh, subscribe to the podcast. We, we don't say that, but we need to say it. Subscribe to the podcast <laughs> and leave a review, a five-star review, ideally, but a review. Um, and yeah, uh, so we're going to go ahead and go to the... Uh, sit down with Mark Bullock now. Well, welcome, Mark. Uh, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm very good. How are you guys? Doing very well. Uh, like I said a moment ago, thank you for joining us. We are honored, honestly, by your presence. Uh, we did our first, I guess, interview slash guest a couple episodes ago, and it was fun. We enjoyed it, and we also realized People would get tired of just hearing our voices and then being able to welcome someone like you who, you know, has such credibility and experience. Um, it, it adds a lot of quality to the pot. So thank you for joining us. So we won't take a lot of your time. I guess we want to just ask you a bit about yourself, some things that uh, some questions that I've always kind of wondered and never known, and then just talk about this team and, uh, I guess how you're feeling about it and, and just hear your kind of expert eye on things. So first, uh, first thing I want to ask you is how did you become a fan of the NFL and then how did you become a fan of the Redskins? Um, so it started out when I, when I was younger. Um, it, for those that don't know, I'm English and you probably picked that up from the accent now. Um, but I, <laughs> when, uh, just before I turned five, it was literally like two weeks before my fifth birthday, my, uh, my dad's job took us out to the States. Um, and it was, we, we moved to the sort of DC area. Um, and, uh, we stayed there for five years. So I kind of grew up with some American sports, um, Gotcha. Uh, okay. At that point, I was kind of more into basketball, um, but um, you know there was always football around at that kind of time, um, and so um, it, it kind of I kept in touch with American sports. But when I came back to England, obviously I converted onto football, soccer, as you guys would call it, um, the real football, as we'd say over here, um, <laughs> and, and uh, other sports and, and what have you. But um, then. Uh, the NFL started um, being shown on TV kind of more regularly in the UK. And I watched a couple of games and thought, yeah, this is a good sport. I, I quite like this. And I've always been kind of someone that looks into the how and the why things happen, particularly with sports. Um, and the NFL is kind of the next level of that when like with, with soccer, with football, it's kind of an ongoing game and, and, it, it, it never stops and like there's tactics to an extent but a lot yeah. of it is just an individual being very good whereas yeah. that happens in nfl in football but it's um there's a lot of strategy and and uh 
tactics and and sort of chess at play um so it, it was always very interesting to me and and that's what i wanted to dive into when when i first started watching um and because i had grown up in the dc area i kind of naturally gravitated to all kind of washington teams with with um with all american sports but obviously the, the redskins with with the football gotcha okay so yeah that uh that bit about living here for i guess five years yeah. kind of ties into ties it in together some but still you you still could have i guess made your choice but i guess you know i guess we'll find out if you made the right choice if they ever won a super bowl <laughs> <laughs> um okay and then so kind of along those lines how did you get to the point which we talked about briefly you know i guess for anyone listening you've probably seen mark's work on the athletic if you haven't one sign up for the athletic pay for it it's it's great not just the content but also, I mean, just the platform itself is very, very good to use. So Mark's always writing on there. So kind of talk about how you went from, you know, I guess becoming a fan to writing some and then, you know, writing for the Washington Post at times and then now, you know, working for The Athletic. How did that happen? Because as, we, as you mentioned earlier, it wasn't, you know, through the normal, I guess, process. No, it was e- extreme luck, really. <laughs> um, I, I, I started... Uh, back in the, I think it was 2010, 2011, um, when Mike Shanahan had kind of taken over and he had just kind of named John Beck as his guy. Um, and uh, I, I saw lots of people arguing about things um, online and, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of gravitated towards the Hogshaven blog. Um, and there yeah. was a, a fan post section there where they let you post whatever the hell you want. And so <laughs> I, I kind of jumped in on that and I wanted to make my points about what I had seen, but I didn't want to just be any kind of old commenter with like yeah. lot of massive paragraphs and yeah. bullet points and all that. So I, I took screenshots to demonstrate what I, of, of like the actual plays and stuff to be yeah. like, this is what I'm actually looking at. And, and nobody was doing that at that time. So um, I think people kind of, the, the guys there, um, Ken Marangolo and, and Kevin Ewalt, they, um, they were running the site at the time and they kind of pretty much an hour after that post went up, they went, Hey, do you guys want to, Hey, do you want to, uh, write for us regularly? Um, and do that kind of thing regularly. And I was like, sure, why not? And so I did that for, um, a little while and that picked up and I started working on like picked up on different sites with SB nation, the stuff that runs off Haven. Um, I, I worked for the draft site for a little bit. Um, and then a few years after that, um, the Washington post, they hired, they initially hired John Kime before he went to ESPN. Um, and they had hired him with the intent of having him be more film focused than, um, all the other stuff that goes with being on the beat. Um, but then he got the offer to go to ESPN like two weeks later. So he left the post and went to ESPN. So yeah they had a um they had a vacancy and for some reason they thought i was the best guy to replace that vacancy uh they probably just thought i was the cheapest alternative so um they uh they saw that i was doing all right there and and they um they contacted me and said hey do you want to start writing for us um a little bit and obviously i wasn't ever going to turn that kind of exposure down so yeah I, i wrote for them uh and gradually started writing more not just about the redskins but about the nfl yeah um, and I spent five years there before the athletic finally expanded to DC and, and they, uh, they offered me a gig here. So 
that's it, it was a lot of luck um and you know if if Kaim had never decided to take the ESPN job then I probably would still be on Hogshaven being some kind of mad fan post <laughs> definitely requires some skill too though for sure I, one thing I've always enjoyed about seeing your stuff is that you always provide the visual evidence you know the screenshots or the clips which personally I always enjoy a ton especially right after a game is over you know we always want to know what could have happened or what happened so I think there's definitely an appeal for that and you tapped into that. So that's a fun story. And uh, it's an inspiring story for anyone who's kind of trying to do something with their writing. Obviously most people won't have the skills that they need, but for the some who do, they may get that opportunity. So thank you for sharing that Mark. And um, I think we're all better for that working out for you the way it did. And so I guess we want to, I guess we just kind of want to talk about the team here. Some um, if my phone will unlock uh, you've, you've written a lot of stuff coming out of the draft uh, about obviously the guys that we drafted and then obviously about this new uh, staff and, and new offense and whatnot. One quick thing, do you have a preference offense or defense in terms of reviewing a talking film or do you, do you like either the same? Uh, I, I don't dislike doing either. Um, I probably have a slight preference for offense just because yeah. that is probably easier to pick up as you get into knowing the sport and and defense is a lot more it looks like it could have been this thing but it could have also been yes. this coverage and this yeah. coverage and it, it's a lot harder to tell exactly where what it was where, whereas with offense you can kind of once you understand a general concept you can kind of recognize that concept yeah. over and over so yeah. um i i have a probably have a preference for offense just because i feel a little bit more certain in what i'm talking about with offense. gotcha okay that makes sense i was just kind of curious about that yeah. so I guess with uh, the players we have here, you know, some young guys, and then with the guys who got drafted, who would you say is the biggest winner um, entering into Scott Turner's offense or, or a couple guys who would you say are the biggest winners in what their uh, potential will be in terms of usage? I think I have one name in mind, but. Yeah, there's a couple of different guys um, in terms of guys that they already had. I think, um, Stephen Sims is someone that should see an uptick in production. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he would have seen that anyway, um, regardless of, you know, who came in and, as the offensive coordinator because yeah. he has that talent level um, and, and the explosiveness that we saw that last year. But um, the type of offense that Turner runs, um, there's kind of a, a already set examples of, of what he... Of, of Sims' skill set in Turner's offense, and we saw yeah. it with Curtis Samuel. We saw it with Christian McCaffrey to an extent. Yeah. Of guys that you can line up in the slot, you can line up out wide, you can put in the backfield. Um, you manufacture them touches to get them the ball in space and, and let their explosiveness work off of that. And, and that's something that I think um, Sims should excel at. Um, so, in terms of guys they already had, Sims. Um, in terms of guys that they've brought in. Um, I, I can see a, a running back, J.D. McKissick, um, playing a, a similar role. Um, and obviously Antonio Gibson, who they drafted, um, I think he kind of fits that mold as well. So those are the three guys I think kind of fit pretty quickly into what Turner likes to do. Yeah, and uh, Gibson was the, was the first one that popped into my head. But um, I guess a lot of action before plays and movement and and, and 
special type of plays that he talked about some stuff you've written about. It's kind of nice to have multiple options there, uh, you know, with Sims, with Gibson, with McKissick, where those guys, like you said, have similar skill sets. So, and talking about his offense, like you, like you alluded to a moment ago, could you kind of just, uh, I guess, briefly or in summary fashion, explain the difference between West Coast and then Air Coriel? I know as fans for the longest time now, we've just heard West Coast, West Coast, different versions of West Coast, yada, yada, yada. And so now the Redskins are going away from that to a different system, which, which I've read about some, but I'd love to hear you kind of break it down more. Sure. It's um, it, traditionally, um, in a sense, the Air Coriel system is a much more vertical-based passing offense um, looking to attack down the, down the field, hence Air being in the title. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's kind of what I think a lot of people are expecting. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it will be too much of that. I, I think that will be involved. And, and yeah. The, and the, the base philosophy of this system is to attack more down the field um, in contrast to what the West Coast offense is, which is lots of short passes to kind of um, help the running game. If, if the running game's not working, you can do lots of short passes and pick up your little dinks and dunks to pick up four, five, six yards um, and keep moving the ball down the field. Um, so traditionally, that's the differences between the two. Um, but with with a lot of offenses now, um, the, the philosophical differences are still there to an extent. Like Scott Turner's probably going to try to throw the ball down the field more than a lot of West Coast offenses will. But um, he, he's also someone that likes to um, move guys around and uh, go to empty formations and, and try to manipulate matchups that will only pick up five, six, seven, eight yards. But um, it will get uh, uh, someone like a Steven Sims or um, an Antonio Gibson matched up on a linebacker and that'll be a mismatch and that will get you your first down to move the chains. Um, so I, I, it's philosophically, traditionally, they are quite different. But nowadays, it's more a language thing. It's more just you, a, lot of, a lot of teams run a lot of the same stuff um, and it's more like, are we going to, speak in french or dutch you know it's it's just different languages gotcha. um that that's what it is more of now i think we'll see a lot of the similar concepts that we we saw um last year like dwayne haskins ran the dagger concept like 10 times a game last year and, mm -hmm. and i think we'll see that pretty often this year because it's something that scott turner recently said was one of his favorite concepts, but instead of calling it dagger, he calls it um, the 86 or something like that. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I read about 86. <laughs> yeah, so it's a number, um, it's a number system rather than a yeah. term system. So it there there's a little bit of difference, but at the same time, when you look into the playbooks, they have a lot of crossover as well. So it it's it's not as drastic a difference as it might it once been years back when the first the systems first came to be. Now. A lot of the NFL runs a lot of the same stuff. Gotcha. Sorry, I'm going to hold out for one moment. <laughs> um, there was an ice cream truck that was just would oh, not man. stop. <laughs> I think it's gone now. Okay, so it, it, I guess it sounds like you're kind of almost saying that philosophically they're different, but yeah. concept-wise, in lots of ways, they'll be the same. Yeah. 
yeah they, exactly that they're, philosophically like as i say the the air quail system is meant to be more down the field passing than a traditional yeah. west coast system but jay gruden was a guy that liked to take shots down the fields um so his west coast offense was a more vertical version of the west coast offense. yeah and, and scott turner is a guy that likes to spread guys out and and kind of dink his dink and duck his way down the field so his is not quite as vertical a version of the air quail gotcha. system so gotcha. the 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 differences will are will still be there but they're not as drastic as they might have once been so gotcha. so would you say in terms of that you say more dink and dunk would you say that it's uh more get the ball into the playmakers hands and let them make plays like kind of like ohio state like it was for Dwayne and ohio state Sure. Yeah, you could say that. Um, it, something that pops up regularly when I was watching Turner and in the Panthers film last year, and part of it might have been down to having Kyle Allen at quarterback and and not trusting him to, you know, make lots of multiple reads and and work further down the field. Um, it it was you know moving guys around and and moving McCaffrey from the backfield out wide and putting. Uh, Samuels from uh, out wide into the slot or into the backfield and and trying to manipulate the best matchup possible so getting McCaffrey on a linebacker or getting Samuel on a linebacker or even occasionally DJ Moore on a, on a linebacker you get those guys on linebackers they're going to win their matchups and they're going to pick up first downs and, and move the chains so um, and perhaps with a better quarterback potentially um, we'll see some more shots down the field and I mean that is something that it's not like he never dialed up any shots. He did certainly dial up shots, and 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 there was at least like three or four shots down the field every game. Um, but I, I think that's pretty common amongst most offenses. So um, from going off what we saw from Turner last year, and and you do have to keep in mind the kind of the quarterback that he had last year. Um, it was a lot more dink and dunk, and kind of if you remember the the Patriots teams um, where they had. Gronkowski and, and Aaron Hernandez where they yeah. could match get matchups based on you know they'd have that personnel group with Gronkowski Hernandez uh running back Edelman um and and you know they'd move guys around and, and they'd put the tight ends out wide and the running backs in the slot and the wide receivers inside and it was just about getting the best matchup with someone on a linebacker on a safety and then Brady would hit them for a five-yard gain and, and they'd keep moving the ball so um I, that that is very much what Scott Turner was looking to do last year. Okay, and and you, I, I was reading it was an article about uh, from from you and Rihanna Walker, where Scott kind of talked about, and this seems like one thing that may be philosophically different. Where he talked about um, trying to in the I guess in situations where you can taking that one on one matchup as much yeah. as possible, kind of I guess almost more so on the outside. Um, and I guess I wonder if that is something where you talk about with quarterback and then you talk about Dwayne and his, his ability to, you know, drive the ball, you know, probably differently than Kyle Allen could. That seems like something that would be preached of where, you know, if you've got a Terry McLaurin outside one-on-one, -on -one, clearly then look there first or, you know, trust him to win, I guess. And, you know, with some guys that we have like Terry, who's good at getting open, do you think that that is something or is that something you saw a lot or that he talked about a lot based on what you've heard him say? Yeah, it's, um, that would be one of the major differences that okay. I, I took away from that piece that Rihanna and I did, which, yeah. um, was, uh, Scott Turner did a, a, a web seminar thing where he basically 
broke down every play from the Saints game last year. Um, And something he talked about was um, how he liked quarterbacks. He taught quarterbacks to take their matchups one-on-ones on the outside because it is one-on-one. If you're getting press man coverage, you know, it's, it's their corner against your receiver and that's just one-on-one and you trust your guy to win. Whereas when you try to start looking over the middle, then you get linebackers dropping back, sinking back into zones and you get safety stepping up and it's a lot more congested. Um, yeah. And, and that is something that is philosophically kind of different from what we were used to because the West coast offense is a lot, it's built hugely on the, what they call the middle triangle, which is uh, someone deep in the middle of the fields and two underneath guys in kind of a triangle to give the quarterback a read in the middle of the field. And, and that's easier to, for a quarterback in some extent because it, it keeps their eyes in the middle of the field. Um, they're not having to work sideline to sideline. Um, and it's much easier to make a throw straight over the middle than it is to turn to your right or turn to your left to make those throws on the outside. But um, it can get a lot more congested with more bodies in there, and, and that can make it a little bit harder to you know, see, okay, is this guy open? Is he not? Whereas if you're looking outside and you know you've got man coverage and it's one-on-one, it's just, do I trust my guy to win that matchup? If, if it's Terry McLaurin, I'm gonna, he's, I think he's going to win most more often than not, so I'm going to throw yeah. him the ball. Um, and I, I think that is one of the key philosophical differences. Um, I'll go on about that a little bit more in that in the West Coast offense, a lot of the concepts from what I've seen in the different playbooks is West Coast offenses had a, had a lot of deeper shots dialed into their plays, but they had them as what they called alerts, where if you saw a certain coverage pre-snap, you could alert that route. But if you didn't see that look uh-huh. at all pre-snap, you would kill that route. You completely forget about it. Your first read is elsewhere. Whereas in this system, okay. it's that is your deep route. You're looking there first. Don't matter the coverage. That is wow, where you're okay. looking first. Gotcha. And we're going there. That's your first read. If you don't like it, then you move on to elsewhere. Rather Instead of, you know, oh, is it quarters coverage? I might be able to get the safety to bite up and hit the post behind him. Um, it's, you know, that guy's running a post. I'm reading that first and then I'll work elsewhere if it's not there. Gotcha. Um, so that, that is the, the main philosophical difference between those two offenses, I think. I have to say one of the things that I admire most is you seem to have a better knowledge of offensive knowledge. I'm sorry. Whew. You seem to have a better knowledge of offensive terminology and plays and route <laughs> concepts than honestly any writer I've seen, which I think yeah. is, has a lot to do with, you know, why you've been able to progress the way you have in less than 10 years. And so that's what makes your work fun to read because you always learn something. And, and I, you know, with the, with the path you're on, I wouldn't be surprised if your next role is like offensive coordinator for an NFL team, but. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. They, they, those guys know far more than me. I just have a lot of spare time on my hands and I, and I see a lot of, I, I've had a lot of friends give me some playbooks and stuff and I've spent plenty of time reading those and, yeah. and you, you kind of get lucky and you learn a few things here and there. Okay. Um, and then, so one last thing just on the philosophies is I know Jay Gruden's offense, which, you know, I think if you, if you have an, a better understanding of it, because lots of people would kill Jay for his offense and obviously he had his issues, but his, 
his offense was very capable of getting guys open, right? Like the schemes were very the, – the route concepts, everything, were very good at getting guys open. It was just a matter of having a quarterback or protection and all that and whatnot coming together. And so would you say that this – you know, what we can expect from Scott Turner is less about the scheme getting guys open and more about guys getting themselves open? Yeah, I think you could probably say that. Um, I, I think – you're definitely right in that. I, I mean, I'm someone that will always back Jay Gruden's offense because uh, from uh, certainly the passing game because it's a offense that I, I have learned pretty well over the last few years. And um, schematically, you see how well he gets guys open and how well he manages to get the first read open. And if the first read's open, not open, the second read almost definitely is. Um, and it's about the quarterback being able to understand where he's meant to go with the ball um, based on coverages and what have you. Um, so, yeah, the, sorry, I get too distracted by defending Jay Rudin sometimes. Uh, and and pe- <laughs> so people fine. hate me for it all the time. But, yeah, th- this offense is probably more about make, letting the playmakers make their plays um, and, and getting the ball in their hands um, and rather than gruden scheming up guys um and to an extent a lot of that depends on personnel um if you have like you saw gruden's scheme work pretty well back in what was it 2015 2016 when it was sean jackson pierre garçon jordan reed yeah right, um, right. When, when you have those guys like that scheme works amazingly yes um and that last year you had like terry mclaurin great after that Stephen Sims showed up well late down the year. Kevin, Kelvin Harmon showed something, but like there was no standout tight end. The no. running backs were like Chris Thompson was great, but injured most of the time. So like um, there is something to being able to scheme guys open, um, which Gruden was able to consistently do. Um, but if you have the playmakers, and, and I think that's something that we've seen them emphasize on on getting explosive playmakers like. Um, Sims, like McLaurin, like uh, Antonio Gibson. Um, if you get those guys that can be explosive with the ball in their hands, then you can find ways of getting the ball quickly, finding their matchup, and and letting them do the work for the quarterback. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess one thing I want to ask, and this may be, I feel I feel like for you it'll be more of more than just a guess or opinion because of the time you've probably spent digging into it, but. Do you anticipate this being more of a run-first offense or a pass-first? I know he's talked about balance, but they all say that. When the plays are being called, what do you anticipate more, uh, run-first or pass-first? Uh, I think it will be pass-first. Um, okay. And that kind of is uh, historically within that system. Obviously, it's called Air Coyle from yeah. his, his right, passing-based right. <laughs> right. offense. Um, but um, I, I think – Turner is a younger head, a younger offensive mind, and the younger guys tend to be of the school of thought that you pass to get a lead, you run the ball to keep the lead. Yeah, I was going to say which that. I think is the correct way of thinking. Um, yeah, and you 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 pass to take the lead, you make explosive plays, you get the lead, and then you run the ball to run out the clock. Um, and I I think in that web seminar that Turner did he explained you know he kind of believed that you you pass to get the lead you run to hold the lead and and so that would suggest you're going to be a pass first offense now whether 
there's any kind of mandate from Rivera that it's going to be, hey, we're running this ball um, like, you know, like Bill Callahan gave to Kevin O'Connell last year, where it was, hey, we're going to run this ball 30 times a game. Right, from three tight end. <laughs> exactly. I don't care what you want to call, we're running this ball. Um, whether there's <laughs> that kind of mandate, I don't know, but um, I, I don't think Rivera will have that kind of mandate on him. I, um, I pray and, not. And I think we'll probably see them try to pass the ball more to, to gain a lead and, and then run the ball if they have it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to mention, I remember that from reading that breakdown you did on that seminar was uh, you mentioned you passed to get the lead and run uh, to kind of keep the lead. Yeah. And um, just to what you were talking about a moment ago with Callahan, I was, I was watching the uh, Packers game, which is just oh, yeah. one of them just to kind of just, from time to time like to do and just seeing <laughs> just the first down heavy um who was it that kept sub coming in as eligible um whoever it was as a third tight end to run block i mean it was man it was whew, that was something <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a sight to behold <laughs> yeah that's um i mean there there is a time and a place for that and yeah but it, it is kind of a very old school approach and you know that was bill callahan to a t yeah. And okay, so this this isn't on here, but just just real quickly, one thing about Jay that kind of started to to bug and I kind of just want to hear what you thought your thoughts are. Can you hear that ice cream truck or no? No. Okay. <laughs> um it seemed he would it seemed like earlier on when he was here, you know, he would kind of get away from the run and you would talk about how he gets away from the run and needs to, you know. And then it seemed like towards the end he would sometimes not really stick with the run too much, but it just became very predictable that first down was the running down here for the Redskins. It seemed like, and so I kind of want to know what your thoughts are briefly on that. If, if that was the same sentiment you shared where it became predictable first down is run. And lots of times that wouldn't work second down is pass, or yeah. if that's more of a fan narrative. No, it, I, it, it was to an extent a fan narrative, but I don't think it was necessarily inaccurate. Um, they, they definitely, um, I think the the, the figures so show the analytics guys out there show that the, the Redskins certainly were most predictable when they were going to run the ball first and ten they were going to run the ball so yeah um, I think they were one of the teams that on first and ten ran the ball more than anyone else so um, yeah they they that I don't think it's in an accurate narrative if it was just a fan narrative I, I think it was probably pretty accurate and it was probably one of the criticisms you could have of the Gruden era was his running game never was consistently good um, but that was something that I don't think his running game ever was going to be consistently good he he, he was known as a, as a passing guy and you know he played quarterback and he likes to take shots and um, there was the old, the famous debate with like Kirk Cousins played out through the media where he, he said that a cousin said, "If if I threw every t deep every time Jay wanted me to, I'd throw forty interceptions." And, and Jay said, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, but you'd throw ninety touchdowns too." So, like, there <laughs> it's yeah, it's Gruden loved to pass the ball, and and so his run game kind of took a backseat, and he, I think largely he left it down to Callahan, and and because he didn't probably because from the top of the organization there there wasn't a. a focus on running the ball it, it was was never going to be that successful um and and you know he he had probably too many concepts in the playbook to try to master one or two different things and and 
when Callahan yeah. kind of took over, it was, you know, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run gap schemes, and it, it, it started to work a little bit, but, um, you know, it's kind of a very old-fashioned way of doing things. Yeah, and um, and I and I had heard, like you just mentioned, that they kind of tried to do too much, do too many different things with the running game, so it yeah. was just a lot. Um, okay, so one thing I read also in that uh, in that breakdown that was interesting to me, where uh, Scott Turner was asked about adjusting the play at the line of scrimmage, how much freedom you give to the quarterback, and he said, "We won't adjust the play; we'll adjust the protection." And it sounded like to me he was kind of basically he was saying we will have a, a route or a matchup that will work against the defense. We'll just we need to change the protection, you know, if, if the quarterback sees something. So it sounded like to me he was saying basically, you know, we're not giving the quarterback whoever it was in this case Dwayne, I guess, the ability to just change the play at the line or change routes. Now I don't know if that's the case, but that's what it sounded like. I don't know if 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 that's what you took away from that. Possibly. Um, I would need to go back and watch that part again because that part I don't remember. But okay. I, I would imagine it was probably more to do with protection um, than and seeing a blitz than yeah. like uh, giving a quarterback freedom to change gotcha. things at the line. Yeah. Um, because that, that was a thing that um, there was a big difference between Jay Gruden and Carl Shanahan, which um, when there was a changeover there, which was Carl Shanahan um whenever he um whenever quarterbacks were blitzed in his system he always built in hot routes and and said hey look if you feel pressure just throw hot just dump yeah. it off throw a hot take check down shake your yards and move on to the next play yeah. whereas jay gruden was like well no you'll have a hot route but let's adjust the protection and let's keep the play that we had called on because we've called the play for a reason we think it's going to work in this down and this distance because we think we're going to get this look um so um he was much more about adjusting the protection whereas Carl Shanahan was like now nah, we've built in a hot route for this reason you take it if if you feel a blitz or you feel pressure um so I, I would imagine it's more along those lines um but it, possibly it could be a case of like you know he he was running with Carl Allen last year and, and he didn't yeah Carl Allen's a younger quarterback, and, and Dwayne will be that too this year. Um, and both will be relatively inexperienced. So maybe it's a case of like he doesn't necessarily trust them yet, and he wants them to earn the trust and earn the right to change plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, because you know, if you're an offensive coordinator and, and you're calling a play that you're thinking this team in second and seven they play quarters all the time, and I've got a I'm calling a play that's going to beat quarters coverage. Um, and then my quarterback goes out there and sees a look and goes, oh, no, I'm going to change this play to something that beats cover three instead. Yeah. And then they end up playing quarters. Quarter, you miss yeah. out on a touchdown, you know? Yeah. So that's going to be very frustrating for an offensive coordinator if if a, if a quarterback changes out of a play that would have worked. So gotcha. um, perhaps he is a little bit more strict with that, but um, the younger guys tend to be – and and perhaps Turner is different, but the younger guys do tend to be a little bit more, uh, a uh, little bit longer leash with with their quarterbacks. Yeah, that, and which makes sense. I just thought that was interesting to read. And I mean, sure. lots of offensive coordinators won't even give you what's going on in their mind as much, you know. No. And so when one does, it's almost like, oh, this is some newfangled. You know, maybe <laughs> all of them feel that way, but he's the only one we heard it from. So. Yeah. 
it is cool to hear him talk though definitely sure Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.